Aramai. Good morning. This is Judith Lay welcoming you to Manx Radio and to the podcast of this week's edition of At Your Service. Manx Radio. 60 years ago this month, the present Coventry Cathedral was consecrated. In today's programme, we explore a local link with the building which has peace and reconciliation at the heart of its ministry. Praying the Keels Week started yesterday with a glorious walk, starting and finishing in Laxey, and the next seven days offer a varied programme with something for everyone. Phil Crane joins me shortly with more details. And you'd best get the kettle on now because Ruth Rice is a great believer in the power of a nice cup of tea. But let's start with music. We're going to begin with something traditional from the St Michael singers who very appropriately are based in Coventry Cathedral. Christ whose glory fills the skies. St Michael Singers, conducted by Paul Leddington Wright, with a hymn recorded in their base, Coventry Cathedral. And it's to Coventry Cathedral we're going now to celebrate the life of Reverend Canon Joseph Poole. In conversation with his daughter, resident of Peel and a reader in the Anglican Church on the island, Jill Poole. Jill's late father was responsible for organising services in Coventry Cathedral and in this role he began developing new and modern ways of worshipping that Jill is commemorating in a new book whose title, Symbols and Dances, sums up her father's imaginative and creative approach to worship. The book was written by Reverend Canon Joseph Poole, but never actually published in his lifetime. But Jill, her sister and brother, have now published the manuscript, and its launch this weekend will coincide with the cathedral's Diamond Jubilee celebrations. It's well known that after the devastating bombing during the Second World War in 1940, the old cathedral was destroyed. The then provost, Provost Howard, said literally the following day that the cathedral would be rebuilt, not in a defiant way, but to show hope and trust. And this is really why the present cathedral has, for its entire 60 years, been a huge symbol of peace and reconciliation. Our connection with the cathedral is through somebody who's well known in Ireland life, and it's Jill Poole, who is my guest on the programme today. Now, it really should come clean and say that this is not live, because at this moment, Jill is in Coventry. 
in the cathedral. But before she left the island, we recorded this conversation so that we could be part of that celebration. Jill, good morning and welcome. Hello, Judith. It's really great to be able to talk about about this because it was such a special occasion, as you said. And I think it was probably Provost Bill Williams who said the new cathedral was the phoenix rising from the ashes of the old one and giving us all this focus for hope, for possibility. And also he was very strong on taking up Provost Howard's thing about reconciliation. And that became a core theme for the whole of the life of the cathedral, actually. You have a very personal connection with the cathedral, don't you? Yeah, my father was a rector in a country parish in Surrey. And then in 1958, we all upped sticks and went to live in the city, which I didn't like. I like living in the country. But he was the presenter, the first presenter of the new cathedral. And his job was to write all the liturgy, to organise all the music, to get the choir and everything organised. And he would lock himself away in his study and he would work for hours and hours and hours and developed this very special liturgy, which was very different from what people had experienced before. It was a very new style and it felt natural, it felt engaging for young people. You know, you grow up as a teenager and you think that's normal, that's what everybody does. And then you go to a parish church and you think, why has the priest got his back to the congregation? And <laughs> and why is that old-fashioned English? And, you know, we grew up with this, this big family and we grew up with this lovely sense of a family at worship. And it was ingrained into our lives because Sunday lunch was the one meal of the week where we weren't allowed to go off and be with friends. It was the family communion round the table. And another thing my father did when we used to go for, for country walks and things and a day out in the countryside. And so we would have a picnic and then he would break the bread and pour the wine and we would have a family Eucharist. He said it's being companions, it's with the bread together. So I learned all these very grassroots things about worship. Was he a, a charismatic, colourful character, your father? He was very colourful. In terms of religious expression, he wasn't charismatic. He didn't like putting his hands up in the air. and that, <laughs> that, No, that's a definite no. Uh, but he was uh, charismatic in the sense that he engaged with people very strongly. And one of his very important principles was that the people are the ones who make the liturgy. So he introduced having members of the congregation bringing up the offertory, the bread, the wine, and standing around the altar during the consecration of the elements. So he, it was very important for him that we were part of the, the living worship of the church. And he did a, um, a new Christmas Eve service for the cathedral. He explains in the book that... Um, the festival of nine lessons and carols was started by a priest in the south of England because it, the, things didn't connect to folk at the time and it was a way of ordinary people being able to come together, listen to the word of God and praise and think of Christmas, think of the nativity. But he said that that's no longer what we really need and he devised a whole liturgy called The Form of a Servant which has been used in Coventry Cathedral since then, I think. And it ended with the lights going out and one light on the face of Christ on the tapestry. You know, the big Graham Sutherland tapestry at the East End? That is a very powerful moment. And you hear music going on and you see Christ up there. And woo, it gets right to you. He was brave to do that, wasn't he? Because you can risk alienating a lot of people, can't you? Yeah, I think he had a bit of um, guts. <laughs> and certainly... Uh, People said, oh, you're so Victorian. 
He said, no, no, I come from the 1600s, actually, <laughs> because he believed in the values of the, that go back a long way. But he also believed they needed to be lived in a way that was relevant to our day. Now, what he's written in his book is relevant to the 60s and 70s. We would find that perhaps a little bit stiff now, a little bit formal. But the point was, it was a breaking out at the time. You have in front of you a copy of the book that your father wrote as a result of all this groundbreaking literature that he was doing. Tell me the story of the book. He wrote it at the encouragement of the provost, who'd been the provost, Bill Williams at the time, and Bill urged him to do it. So he finally did. In 1980, he finished it, and it was all typescript on a manual typewriter. But it's never been published. It's not going to have a huge market. Not everybody is going to rush off to um, one of our bookshops and say, oh, I must have symbols and dances, please. No, we're not. But it has got lots of quality in it, lots of fun lots of challenges. And so there's a family also grew up with us in Coventry called the, the Gad family. The, the parents were equivalent with our parents and Stephen and Trixie are the son and daughter and they are similar age to us. And they do publishing. And they did publish Bill Williams' book, Building a Community, and they wanted to see Father's book published as well. So they transcribed it all. And then we've taken it on and done all the final bits to get it published for the 60th anniversary of the consecration of the cathedral. So what have you done? How much have you added to your father's work? We've actually honoured exactly what was in the book, but it's just the formatting. We've got different fonts for the headings and it's laid out so that you can see this is a liturgy, this is commentary, and some of his liturgies he's got commentaries in little boxes down the side. You know, so it's it's quite a nuanced presentation visually. And what are we likely to find in there? Is it complete services for particular occasions? There are six complete services but the rest of it is parts of a service elements in fact there's a chapter called elements of a service one is a fanfare for europe because it was at the time of the european community beginning and they had a big gig in coventry cathedral for it uh, another one was called elvis presley a memorial service because when elvis presley died the Coventry fan club contacted the cathedral and said they wanted to have a memorial service for him. So the, the, the cathedral contacted my father and he said, well, they're not people who go to church, so they would be find it deeply uncomfortable trying to remember somebody really important to them in, in a strange, strange environment. So he contacted the leader of the, of the fan club and said, where do you normally meet? Oh, we meet at this pub in Coventry, the Climax. And so my father said, right, well, I'll come down to the Climax and I'll do it with you there then. So he went off and got the leader of the youth club and he said, come on, get some of the young people around and, and we'll go and, and do this. And off he went down to the Climax pub in Coventry and there's a photograph of him in the local paper, pint of beer in hand and <laughs> doing this memorial service for Elvis Presley. Some of the guys hugged him as he left. They were in tears, you know, it was just exactly what they needed and he knew that. Interesting that aside from the services, there are smaller things because sometimes in a service, you don't want to transform or change the whole service, but you may want to put in some extra little element for a particular purpose. And I guess this would be an inspiration for something like that. Indeed, he has suggestions of ways you can do it sensitively, appropriately, it's something fresh, different from what you would normally do without disrupting the whole thing. We, as a family, went to a, a pop concert at the Belgrade Theatre in Coventry and there was this drummer and he did a big drum solo and my father was, wow, that is amazing. 
And so he went backstage afterwards and he said, can I, can I speak to you? Would you be willing to do a piece like that in the cathedral at some point? And he said, oh, yeah. I don't go to church, but yeah, I can, I can do that. And so he arranged for Trevor Moray to play in a, a service where this was what he called acclamation, where you're actually praising God. But it was on the drums and it was profound. And as he writes in the book, afterwards there was silence. You know, everybody was just, wow. What about liturgical dance, which is always a bit of a vexed area, isn't it? Yeah, he didn't ever go for, as I said, the charismatic, everybody waved their hands in the air. But he did encourage movement. Movement is one of the things he encourages. And dance is a form of movement. Processions, he says processions have to have a particular purpose. They have to move in a dignified way. Dance is a way of celebrating. And he refers, the name of the book is Symbols and Dances. Praise the Lord with Symbols and Dances. What happened to David when he was struck by the Lord? Uh, David, you know, being the king in the Old Testament, he danced. And it's something that we don't expect dignified people to do. But it can be dignified. It's movement and music with a purpose in a place that really makes you feel a sense of praise. It's been a, a great thing for my sister and my brother and me. We've worked together very intensely on it and lots of friends have helped us with it as well. You are a reader in the Anglican Church, very active here on the island, have been for a number of years. And everybody says, Jill always does a nice service for us. So looking back over this, do you really feel that you've got your father's genes? Well, I do think I've inherited his sensitivity and his wisdom because he was always, always very clear about the wisdom of engaging. One thing I remember from a very, uh, very early service at Coventry Cathedral, we were, before the new cathedral was even begun, services were in the crypt, in the undercroft of the ruined building. And I remember my father explaining that he introduced something which hadn't been there before, which was turning and facing the congregation at the consecration of the elements. And he explained to us at home, what we're doing in the Eucharist is remembering what Jesus did at the Last Supper. And it's a visual reenactment of it. And it's meant for us all to be engaged with. So having our heads down with our eyes closed may be respectful, but it's not actually engaging with what is intended, the reliving of what Jesus did. We reenact it. Like, and somebody once said, it's like you, you have these symbols, that these gestures that are intentional reminders to bring it back to life again. So if you've got a dear friend and they've gone away, you put something on your fridge, don't you, as a reminder. So it's to bring it back to life. And my father said that's what it's meant to be. And the name of Jesus, every Do the love. 
The Name of Jesus by Maddie Pryor, accompanied by the Carnival Band. And before that, I was talking with Jill Poole, who will at this moment be back in Coventry Cathedral, sharing in their 60th anniversary celebrations and remembering the life of her late father, Reverend Canon Joseph Poole. Praying the Keels Week started yesterday, and the next seven days offer a varied programme with something for everyone to come and explore these ancient ruined chapels dotted around our island's countryside. Phil Crane, one of the leading organisers of this very popular event, joins us again to tell us what's happening during the coming week. Phil, good morning and welcome again. Moramai Jude, it's good to be back. Phil, let's start with an event this afternoon in Peel. This is Sunday afternoon at 2.30, an intriguing event at the new Tide of A Retreat House in Peel. They will lead us in ancient practices for renewal, so very much on message with our theme and if it's lovely weather, which we hope it will be, we'll be in the walled garden there at Tide of A and using natural resources around us and ancient Christian practices to help us slow down, unwind and find moments of refreshment. So the staff there will, will lead us in that with a Celtic themed prayer and refreshments. And that will be deliberately an all age event. And uh, as I say, if, if it is and the weather is poorly, we'll, we'll go inside the house. But that is interesting and a chance to have a skeet at Tide of A. Now, we continue with uh, an event tomorrow. Indeed. Monday morning, we will meet at Kirkmichael Parish Church for welcome and prayers. And it's an interesting spot being so close to Bishop's Court. We will explore the churches there, crosses inside the church, and then there's the memorials and graveyard outside with no less than five bishop's graves there. And then we'll explore the uh, the village itself of Kirkmichael, which will be uh, an eye-opener for me. I've not really looked at Kirkmichael in detail at all. That will finish at lunchtime, but if you want to stay on so that we can have a packed lunch together after the walk, that would be super. Now, you've got something tomorrow night that I'm really looking forward to. Indeed, we're fortunate to have got Charles Gard to, to join in Keel's Week. He will be talking about the history of St Thomas's Church, and in particular, the John... Nicholson murals which go from floor to ceiling if, if you haven't seen them that you're in for a treat on the theme of imagery apocalyptic imagery from the the book of revelation as a bonus Charles will also be demonstrating the island's largest church organ going underneath the church to see the extraordinary hidden machinery that once powered this this great instrument so that's at 7:30 tomorrow night the history of St Thomas's church with Charles it should be a treat and again, there's no need to book and there's nothing to pay, is there? These are all free events. Nothing to pay at this at all. But where a church or chapel does provide a supper, a basket will be put out. So it's voluntary donations as you are able. Tuesday, it's another evening event and this one takes us to Smale Farm. Whereabouts is that, Phil? It's in the far north and I once made the mistake on Manx Radio of saying Smeal and I'll never do it again. <laughs> it's about a couple of miles west of point of air about a mile in from the coast but you access it from the coast road so we meet at 6:30 at smale farm and the martin family are there they will offer us drinks hot drinks and there'll be a chance that at that point if you want to bring a tea that we can eat together there if you've already eaten before you don't have to get there till seven o'clock because that's when the walk will start we'll walk down the lane and along the coast road to Nokaduni. that'll be about a couple of miles there a couple of miles back at Nokaduni, we shall look at two little gems 
One on the in the field on the left is a keel, a wonderful keel. We shall have a talk there by Dave Martin, whose family have farmed there for the generations, and prayers by Father Michael Bryden at the keel. And then we will go over just a short hop to the adjacent field where a Viking ship burial was discovered, which will be very special indeed. And the views from there, it's the highest point in the parish of Andreas and you can look out over the sea but hear the story again from from Dave on on how on the on the excavation that led to that only one of two Viking ship burials but are up to this point known in the island. Now if you're listening to this and thinking I can't possibly keep all this information in my head there is an excellent very comprehensive leaflet available got all the grid references for you to find all these places very easily and it's got all the times and details that leaflet is widely available around the island, but presumably, fill the information also on the website. Yes, yes, indeed. The team have tried to get the leaflets into to every church and indeed beyond churches into um, libraries, museums, etc. as well. But yes, go to the website. The website is www.prayingthekeels.org. Now, praying the keels is all one word and Keels is double E, double L. Wednesday is the coach trip that you mentioned, and this one goes from the Promenade Methodist Church here in Douglas. Seven o'clock on Wednesday evening, prompt departure, as you might imagine. Still time to book for that one, is the film? Yes, indeed. This costs £16, and that includes everything. It includes the um, the supper, it includes the coach, it includes the driver's tip. There's details in the leaflet and the website on, on, on how to book £16, and that will be going up to Bride north of the island for that mm. one. Thursday, now Thursday is one occasion when you offer an afternoon event. Yes, this is meeting at two o'clock, going over to the west of the island now. We meet at the car park in Fenella Beach in Peel and we shall walk up Peel Hill to the Corrins Tower, then down to Nokelo Moor Farm and on to Patrick Church, Holy Trinity Patrick, where we'll have refreshments and back to Peel on the old railway line by the Neb. Might be a bit mucky again, so stout footwear recommended, and it should be about five miles um, altogether, but a lovely afternoon walk, I hope. And then Friday is an evening event that takes us again to the west of the island. Yeah, a bit further south. Meet at seven o'clock at St James's in Dolby. Uh, they will provide uh, re- refreshments there. And a walk for those who want to down to White Beach, which is a beautiful, remote, unspoiled beach. You can't get vehicles there. About a mile south of Nyarbal. So we'll do a circular walk through private land at Craig and Moore. And then we shall all meet at Nyarbal Beach. So we'll meet up with the ones who don't want the long walk. They'll just walk down later from the church to the Nyarbal. We'll all meet up at Nyarbal Beach for service led by the team my Cheryl and the team at Dolby and it will be a beautiful sunny evening and the sun has agreed to go down at 9.36 that evening so it's it's all arranged. (laughs) You think of everything Phil absolutely everything but you are recommending bringing head torches for after the sun has gone down if if you're doing that so that everybody can get back in safety. You You were saying to us last week that you always top and tail this week with a long walk and so you're finishing Saturday the 29th starting point is Langness Yes, this, this should be a, a fascinating day. I think we meet at the car park, which is at the end of the rough track, the minor road on the 
west side of the peninsula and then we shall be looking particularly on that side at the bird life the marine life we'll make our way up to the keel on st michael's isle for prayers we won't be able to get into the keel because birds are nesting at this time of year but we'll get as close as we can and we'll have prayers and stop for lunch then so bring bring a packed lunch again as on the previous saturday then we shall walk down the east coast of langness i mean we've got um, great paths have opened up now after the planning inquiry a few years ago and along the east coast we'll be mindful of the the many shipwrecks there there's the uh, provider stone which is is quite hard to, to to find if you don't know where it is but it's kind of a, a huge almost like an obelisk to the provider which went down and many hands lost and also the Royal Navy's racehorse which went down in 1822 so it's the bicentenary of that I don't think it's the exact month I think the it happened in maybe December 1822 and the, there will be some event to mark that I, I believe at the time in, in, in December this year so we will be uh, mindful of the shipwrecks over the centuries in the well the very strong tidal currents running around the peninsula there so altogether that is quite a circular walk and we'll we'll go back via the lighthouse and Dresic Point and that'll be again about six miles in all about five hours a full day with stops for lunch and reflection. The whole point of this Keels Week mm. is to step aside from the busyness of our lives and these are in such beautiful surroundings pausing and reflecting is very much a feature of the week isn't it? Phil? Yes as you say Jude it's a time to just come down the gears if we've got a busy life just just come as you are let go let God. Words from the message version of the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 11. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to make a real rest. Walk with me, and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. music there from Maddie Pryor. And before that, I was talking to Phil Crane about Praying the Keels Week. And the last word comes once again from Ruth Rice, founder of Renew Wellbeing, cafe-style safe spaces where everyone is welcomed, supported and gently encouraged to find their own pathway to mental health. Ruth has created a very personal A to Z of things that are good for her own mental and emotional well-being and she pops in each week in case what's good for her might be good for us too. This week, the letter from the alphabet is C, and C is for cuppa, in Ruth's case, a nice cup of tea. 
I've got this whole thing about having a really nice cuppa for my cup of tea, my first cuppa in the morning. I like to choose the cup carefully. If I've got a really busy day, I'll choose a bigger cup because I have this thing where I sit still until I've finished the whole of that drink. And whilst I'm sitting still and drinking my drink, guess what happens? The world still turns on its axis and I didn't make it happen. There is a God. It isn't me. Who knew? And so my first cuppa in the morning and then every subsequent cuppa after that, which is quite a lot for me, reminds me to be still. There is a God. It isn't me. The world's still spinning, even if my to-do list isn't done. And I hold that cup in both my hands and know that I am held in a bigger story of well-being than the one that I'm creating. Whether the cup is empty or full, whether it's dirty inside or clean, that cup is held. I found that really, really helpful for my mental and emotional state that day. A simple cuppa really helps for me. And it's a habit you can share with other people when you share a cuppa with them. That's one of the things that I do. See is for a copper. Thank you, Ruth. And there'll be more from Ruth's Alphabet of Wellbeing next week. But right now, it's time to take a look at our notice board and we begin with things happening later today. The Mariners' Choir will be at the Howe this evening for a service starting at half past six, where the preacher will be Mrs Rita Norrie. As usual, the service will be followed by supper and community hymn singing and there's always a warm welcome for all. On Wednesday the 25th, you're cordially invited to a very splendid event in Onken Methodist Church Hall. It's a Royal Platinum Afternoon Tea, begins at 2 o'clock on Wednesday and includes entertainment by the very popular Paul Costain, accompanied by Mrs Wendy McDowell. Admission is ticket only, tickets are just £7 and you can reserve yours by calling or texting Celia Marshall on 460965. And we finish with news from the Cathedral in Peel. Next Sunday, the 29th, instead of the usual choral evensong at half past three, next Sunday afternoon at half past three, there'll be a short, said service of Holy Communion with congregational hymns. Cathedral curate, Reverend Ruth Walker, says, We hope this may be helpful to those who, for whatever reason, may find it difficult to attend a morning communion service. And that's all that we have time for now. But I'll be back in the studio tonight from nine with sundown. Easy listening music to round off the weekend. And I'd love you to join me if you can. Do please email me if you've got items for the notice board or you'd like to request a favourite hymn. My email address is judithlay at manxradio.com. And so, till whenever we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you so much for listening. And I wish you and those you love a safe happy and truly blessed week and a very good morning. The nation stays.